Hello everyone, this is Andrew Pond, Artistic Director of Eclectic Full Contact Theater. Welcome to the Half Hour Audio Hour. Today, we have a special interview with the cast of Lost in the Wild. Susan Davey, Ian Rigg, and Monica Safflick, talking about, amongst other things, exactly how the Gilmore Girls and the Twilight Zone are connected. We hope you enjoy. First, I want to thank uh, you, Ian, Monica, and Susan, for taking the time to not only do this interview, but also for giving of your time and talent to be part of this project. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And likewise. Happy to be here. Great. So first question, because I love actor origin stories. How did you get into acting? And we'll just, we'll start with Ian. Oh, hell. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I was a very shy kid. Uh, you can probably ascertain from the, the ums and ahs just there. Uh, on stage, you know what to say. On real life, real life is what's scary. On stage, you have the lines in front of you. Uh, you have the relationships and everyone's standing in the dark. Uh, so my mom put me on stage uh, to build confidence uh, as well as bond with my dad. Uh, he's an avid actor as well. Um, in his retirement, he's gone on to do uh, featured extra work. Uh, hopefully he can get some cool speaking roles as well, but on lots of Chicago movies and TV. So that's awesome. Cool. Back in the day, he worked long hours, you know, but he, he cherished the escape he bought for the audience and for himself, you know, like just watching him up on stage all those years. It's all for the audience. It's for that aha moment that when you follow your calling, you know, when you filled found what fills you with life. And as you know, once you've contracted the malady of acting, it's chronic terminal condition. Uh, no one escapes it alive. Uh, the only treatment is applause. Until you're on front of well. So that's my rambling origin story. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Monica. <laughs> yeah, and this is probably a question better suited for my therapist, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> The long and the short of it is, I guess, um, this is my way of uh, having emotions and uh, not getting in trouble for it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, now I just love being a, a part of, you know, I just love storytelling. Storytelling is like the universal language. Same with music. Like it, it's how we connect as, as, as humans. So, yep. Mm. Wonderful. And Susan. Yeah, I, uh, no pressure then. They're great answers. I, um, yeah, it wasn't something I particularly thought about as a child or growing up, anything like that. I was into dance. I did ballet for a number of years. Um, and it felt almost like a natural progression of performance and storytelling. I think we're a little bit spoiled in Ireland where I grew up with the sort of richness of theatre and that tradition. And honestly, I just saw a wonderful production of a play um, in my hometown of Belfast um, by a, a local playwright, though long past, called Stuart Parker. It was a play called Pentecost. And I remember I just bought a program to see how people became actors with the little bios that they have. And I found that there was an acting school in Dublin, the Gaiety School of Acting, and I phoned them up the next day. And that was it, basically. I've been doing a version of this ever since. Um, yeah. That is amazing. And don't ever worry about your origin story answer, because one of my favorites was a guy I worked with once said that he got into acting because in college, bowling was full. 
So he took his first <laughs> acting class because of that. Um, <laughs> right. Mine was classical ballet wasn't quite going my way. And then acting happened and I haven't been able to quit since. Didn't Meryl Streep oversleep on her bar exam? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so <laughs> what drew you to this project? And we'll start with Monica. Ooh, okay. So people who know me know I'm really into like supernatural creepy stuff. Um, I'm wearing like I think four different crystals right now. <laughs> I'm yeah, so I'm I'm definitely that uh that that girl. Um uh, also I my favorite types of shows, any kind of performance or shows, is things that leave you with more or things that leave you with more questions than answers. Hmm. Which I'll I'll get into later when we get to another question, but like yeah, like my favorite, like su- anything supernatural, anything suspenseful, anything thrillery. I'm, I'm always like, ooh, sign me up. Cool. Uh, Susan? Yeah, I mean, I love it because it's um, fairly local to where I grew up. So that's a nice kind of a treat. It's not something I get to do very often is things set local to my accent. <laughs> so <laughs> that was nice, very evocative. Um, you know, I'm from an island, so anything that's to do with the coast or the sea. And like Monica says, that kind of dark supernatural edge to things just feels very close to my heart and heritage. Like I was raised on a steady diet of ghost stories as my bedtime story from my mother. <laughs> um, so that was my my kind of thing about it. And I do love that it's quite open-ended. I don't think I have answered all those questions for myself either about this script. Excellent. And Ian? Uh, well, I was invited to this process uh, fairly later uh, in the process. Well, that's uh, quite a compliment uh, to be thought of, uh, thought trustworthy, having seen me in a previous show. Uh, but the script, of course, caught me. It's got, you know, the the feminine energy, it's got the moody ambience, it's got grief, it's got loss, uh, spooky water specter stuff, you know, it was an easy decision. And it's been quite a delight uh, to work with these very uh, marvelous actors. I, I like spooky water specter stuff. That <laughs> sounds like an awesome album name. And now, is this the first audio drama that you've done? Not for me. No. Uh, kind of. Uh, like I've done fully voiced over characters, either uh, like live on stage or pre-recorded, but those are always like played on stage. Like you know, sometimes you're playing like an automaton that's controlling everybody, and you're never seen on stage. Uh, but I've never been. I don't think I've been in a fully fleshed out audio drama like this, and it's cool because the the bare bones nature of it almost makes it like more bountiful. Like it's of course literal theater of the mind. You're just having voices and the word painting of sound effects, but your mind is conjuring everything from there. Uh, I think Oscar Wilde said, we're all our own devil and we make this world our hell. That's true because there's nothing that's ever going to be scarier than your own imagination. You are painting mm-hmm. and designing your own desires and nightmares uh, with no other senses to depend on. Cool. Well, we know what Ian likes about the uh, the medium. Uh, Susan, <laughs> what, 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 is it that, what is it that you like about uh, audio drama, about the medium? And some challenges. Like I'm a big, I'm an avid listener myself outside of of working in it as an actor as well. Um, From an actor point of view, it's just so different to stage and screen. You get to be very, it's just a very intimate experience, I think. Um, You really focus on storytelling in this very pure way with just the text, you know, the words and your voice. There's something 
kind of magical about conjuring up like the oldest way of telling stories, which is verbal. Um, and to be able to connect with people in their headphones, that feels very personal, very intimate, very close to me. I love to listen um, myself to things like this. Uh, it can be, as Ian said, like your imagination can run a little bit wilder. There's less distractions. Um, the challenges, though, are there's less distractions. <laughs> You've got to make your voice do all of the emoting for you. You know, there's mm -hmm. no camera that's going to you know, come in close and grab that emotion on your face. You can't sit back and, and be lazy with it either. And it's nice that you can, but you can, you can miss other actors sometimes recording on your own and, and that kind of connection. It's been a wonderful thing. I think during the pandemic, so accessible for all of us to be able to work like this, which is quite a, an equality thing, which I've really liked, but I guess I miss, um, a little bit of human contact and touch as well. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. It's one of the reasons that we like to, at least for the first rehearsal, try to put everybody on video <laughs> so right, you can at yeah. least see each other. <laughs> and, and Monica, what is it about what is it about it that you like, and what are challenges that you got? I always love the challenge of performing a character that obviously has a different accent than my own, has a very different background than my own, like creating these full-fledged characters with sometimes just a few lines. But the thing that draws me the most to this medium is the freedom. Um, it's So I also love doing puppetry because a, a puppet can do so much more than I can, both <laughs> you know, physically and like, you know, <laughs> I can literally have them like flip their legs, like, you know, I can have them sing upside down while having their legs behind their head. Um, but with voice acting, there's no limit. Uh, you know, you give some sound effects and you play with your voice and you, you could be flying and there's, a, it's, it's freeing and it's, I guess it's also better on the budget. You know, you don't have to get a rig system, <laughs> but um, you know, we, uh, yeah, there's just nothing, there's nothing holding you back. And uh, to tying in again with what um, Ian said, there's nothing better than your own imagination. Like I love going to live theater cause it's never going to be the same show twice, but when it's in your mind versus someone else's mind, just listening Mm -hmm. The story that you're painting, the scenery, the feeling, the sounds, it's, it's, no, there's nothing like it. And, uh, yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. So in what ways do you relate to your characters, uh, Ian? Uh, well, you don't have to like the characters you play. You just have to love them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm very different from James uh, because he's not, I don't see him as a very particularly creative kind of guy or, or artsy or I think he focuses on the mundane and the material. And I also uh, I value fidelity. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's basically uh, spoilers uh, um, for the script, but I think it's also relatable though, because you find commonalities because we've all made mistakes. Uh, we always are trying and running last minute to fix them. Uh, and we're all just making attempts to live. We're all just trying to recapture our lives. <laughs> that's a, that, that's a, that's a lovely way of looking at it. We're all just running last minute to fix our mistakes. Monica, how do you, how do you relate? I think I relate to Bardhana in that in two ways in that I, I, I'm I'm a mother, so I do relate to the 
you know, the feelings that you can't describe unless you are a mother that you could have for a child, mm-hmm. even one that you may not have necessarily ever met. Mm-hmm. You know, so that nurturing, even even before I had kids, though, like my my nickname around cast was always Mama Bear, even when <laughs> even when I wasn't the oldest or the you know wasn't playing the mom character. And it's it's a nickname that I I always really loved. Um, but I also relate to. I too have at times I felt trapped in my life and I know how unnerving that can be and how unsettling it is, you know, like the claustrophobic feeling of like, you have no control and like how it can drive you to madness, um, desperate to like, you know, get some sort of footing on your own fate. Um, so yeah, I think that's where I relate to her. Uh, so Susan, how do you relate to your character? I feel like in this, uh, moment anyway, Catherine is quite, there's a loneliness to her, a sort of an isolation. I think a lot of us can relate to that actually after the last two years, particularly in Ireland where our lockdowns were so absolute. Um, they felt never ending for a while. I think as well, she's kind of open to the mystery of Bardhana. She's takes a leap of faith. She's not asking the questions that James does. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something of me in that, um, that I, I tend to trust and believe quite quickly, not always a wonderful quality to have as I've learned, but, um, something I don't seem to be able to change much either. And I, I do like that about her. She's obviously very practical, very independent, very pragmatic person who's been through a lot of loss and trauma and yet something about her believing in this whole message in a bottle thing, there's a kind of a a lovely, innocent wonder, um, which gives me hope for her. And I think as well is really important to, to try and hold on to. Wonderful. And now the question that uh, has actually become the most uh, apparently difficult of all of them which I thought was going to be the easiest. Uh, <laughs> no spoilers on how the sh- the show ends, but it it there's there's a lot of twists to this story, which made me think of the Twilight Zone. So, of course, what is your favorite Twilight Zone episode, or your favorite Twilight Zone e kind of s- story that you may have heard? And uh, since Ian, you're the only one who's apparently ever watched the Twilight Zone. Um, <laughs> We'll start with you. <laughs> All right, let me crack my fingers, roll my neck a bit, because we'll be here a while. <laughs> uh, massive fan of the Twilight Zone, uh, Rod Serling, uh, considered the the last angry man on TV. Uh, there was always a righteous anger, and what was cool is he never really edited anyone else's scripts too hard. He, he believed in his fellow writers uh, and always held a mirror up to you know, a, a very twisted... Uh, land I call home. Uh, the absolute favorite is a uh, Death's Head Revisited. It's the, of course, the one where the the ex commandant hiding out in Argentina has gone back uh, to relive like a sadistic sense of nostalgia, but he's put on tribunal uh, by the people he tortured to death, and it ends with uh, the, the iconic. Uh, it must remain standing because they're a monument to a moment in time when some men decided to turn the earth into a graveyard. The moment we forget this, the moment we cease to be haunted by its remembrance, then we become the grave diggers, uh, like that kind of thing. That was also a pretty spot on Rod Serling. That was pretty cool. 
Mm-hmm. Well done. A uh, man hosts a podcast. Uh, Andrew Pond is about to discover <laughs> the Twilight Zone. There it is, right up ahead. Signpost. Uh, other favorites are a Probe 7 over and out. A 2. Uh, that's just uh, that one that is one of the rare ones that doesn't really contain any supernatural elements. It's just uh, literally a two-hander, uh, a Russian and an American. Uh, they both uh, appear to be the only survivors of a nuclear war. And uh, do they kill each other? Or do they love each other and move on? Uh, the Howling Man is a pretty chilling one about a man who thinks he's captured the devil in his closet. Uh, the Shelter is another one without any supernatural elements whatsoever. Uh, again, that's rare for the show, but it's literally just people uh, trying to get into the one bomb shelter on the street, and it's utterly mortifying. It's terrifying. Oh. Uh, but what are some other things people like that are like the Twilight Zone, then, now that I've monologued? <laughs> um, Susan, we're going we're gonna to get this answer from you before you lose internet again. Something like the Twilight Zone. I mean, I was racking my brains with this. I have never seen the Twilight Zone. I was trying to like download a copy. It wasn't happening. Um, it's like time, right? This kind of a time loop. Or So the only thing I could think of that I've watched recently that is maybe a somewhat similar theme is Russian Doll. I don't know if anyone's seen it. It's uh, mm. Natasha Leone, who I just think is kind of a phenomenal uh, performer. And it's I still don't have a clue what it's about having just finished season two it's very trippy but i love this <laughs> she's like very there's like a history component to it it's gone completely off the tracks which i adore and i don't think we see enough of at the minute but honestly you know the time twilight zone i feel like i have absolutely zero experience to speak on it as i was saying if we were gonna nerd out with a show with lots of episodes gilmore girls I mean, I could watch Oracle all day. That's kind of like its own Twilight Zone. It's forever autumn or fall in Stars Hollow. No one grows older. All of Rory's boyfriends are dead. It's sweater weather for like 20 years. Luke's diner gets no new decor. I mean, it's a stretch. Go with me. Go with me. You know, it's it's ready for a reboot. I see. I see. I see this becoming a a, a Netflix original supernatural <laughs> reboot. After what they did to Sabrina the Teenage Witch, anything is possible. <laughs> um, and and Monica. So yeah, I I've always had an appreciation for Twilight Zone. I knew about it. You know, whenever anything creepy happened, you know, everyone would do that thing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just didn't have. Um, when it was on the air, I just didn't have access to TV. and um, But I have always been drawn to shows like it. And, okay, mm-hmm. if you have to pick a favorite episode, I, I do know of some, and I've seen clips of some, but obviously the one with the, the gremlin on the on the wing with Shatner, I'm sure it's everyone's oh. favorite, so it's like a cop-out answer. But I, I just know, I, I don't think there's anything more disturbing or scarier than not trusting your own mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's again, like tying back to nothing scarier than your own imagination. Same exact same thing. And so my favorite genre of any type of movie storytelling book is supernatural suspense thrillers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I, you know, I love watching shows on, on uh, Netflix, like dark uh, until it went a little too off the rails for me. And um, fa- M. Night Shyamalan, Stephen mm-hmm. King. But my favorite 
of all of those. It's an unknown, it's a hidden gem horror movie called What Lies Beneath. Has anyone, yes. has anyone else seen her? Was that oh Michelle, my God, I, I, Michelle Pfeiffer? Yes, Michelle yes. Pfeiffer, Harrison Ford, such a gem. I don't know why this isn't like a classic. That needs to come back. I um, love that film. It, yeah. uh, it's so good. And everyone I've told about has never heard of it. And then I lend them my DVD and they're like, where did this come from? This is amazing. And, uh, you know, no spoilers, but it's, it's about this woman who doesn't know if she's going through a psychotic episode and she's dealing with some, you know, hidden trauma that she hasn't un, uh, processed or unpackaged and, uh, or if she's actually, or if her house is actually haunted. So, um, and it's just so well written and so phenomenally acted that like, you know, I've watched it, I've watched it 300 times and I, I, I still find little subtle nuances that I'm like, Oh, okay. I see what you did there. So. <laughs> Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> e- well, on that incredibly spooky note, I just want to once again thank you all so much for being part of this. It's been an absolute blast doing this, and we really do appreciate you all being willing to be part of this this project. Thank you so much. It's thank been you wonderful so much for having us. It's been great, and it's. I'm ex- one more thing. I love that we. I've been able to work with. Uh, an international cast. I've never been able to do that before. So, so thank you, Andrew, for casting Susan. And it's, it's honestly one of the really cool things about doing this is that we've had the ability to work with people from all over because of the fact that it's all audio and it's all online. So boundaries really borders You're really mean in. nothing. Freedom. You're all in Chicago. So. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The rest yes, of us are yes, all in Chicago. But we've also done we've also done episodes of this where I'm the only one in the US. And oh, everybody wow. else has been everybody oh. else has been uh overseas. Uh so it's been it's been really quite a fun experience to be able to to do this. Yeah, it makes things so accessible. No, I really appreciated it so much, you know, just to be able to connect across the water as well. Um, and this is my last job Ireland side, I guess. I fly to America this week with my green card to move. So it's quite a nice way to wrap things up. Thanks for listening to the Half Hour Audio Hour. We hope you enjoyed this special interview. Please like, follow, and subscribe to our podcast. You can even leave a review. And if you like what you heard, then head over to redcircle.com slash shows slash half-hour-audio-hour, where you can help support us through a one-time or recurring donation and become our partner in helping to highlight the voices and stories of women, BIPOC, and LGBTQ artists. And don't forget to head over to eclectic-theater.com to find out about our serialized audio dramas, Bloody Bay, Clusterfuck, Deep Shadows, Monocyte, and Throwing Shade. On behalf of myself and everyone here at EFCT, thanks for listening.